0: I'm really delighted to be speaking to Chris Britton today of kb.co.uk. Chris is one of the the country's leading digital marketeers, and I've just been chatting to him before we've started recording, and he has such in-depth knowledge of the the world of digital marketing, how we can really penetrate into our markets and get um, customer acquisition. I think this is going to be one of those interviews where you're going to gain so much insight in knowledge. That is, it's just me full of golden nuggets. We're gonna talk about various things. We're gonna break it down into different sections. They will be on the chapters on the video, which you can go to um, just below. Obviously, if you like it, please hit that like button, please hit subscribe and please share because you want to help other businesses, um, let them grow and, and gain this knowledge that we're sharing with you. And, and um, Chris is gonna really, really help you out. Chris, it's Thanks. really great to have you here, welcome.
1: Thank you so much, David. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here. Um, and as you just said, our pre-talk just at the beginning there uh, was absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed. Really enjoyed uh, just going through what we're going to talk about today. So I'm really excited.
0: Oh, I'm not as excited as me because I've already learned um, a number of things which I'm going to implement in, in my business. So yeah, I think it's, these conversations are, are absolutely wonderful. I fantastic. guess um, we should really start with um, you know, what what where you've come from. What, what's your background, Chris?
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a funny story, actually. Uh, so I kind of stumbled into the business that I'm currently in by, by not by chance, but um, it, it wasn't necessarily a plan that I originally had uh, when I first ever started. So my career history has bounced from one thing to the other. Um, I originally started a business in cosmetics, um, and then I moved uh, and started a business in uh, bioenergy and solid fuel combustion when the boom was happening and everyone was talking about renewable energy and there were lots of grants from the governments. Um, and now uh, I in a business of marketing but one thing that's been consistent through all of those businesses is uh learning to adapt to marketing from a from a uh, each audience that effectively I've been working with so how do you adapt marketing for consumers and marketing for businesses in the in the bioenergy business how do you then help other businesses so a lot of people have been saying to me through my years of of working with them and supporting uh, them for the solutions that we might have been offering so boilers that produce energy and electricity and hot water these types of things have all been saying why don't you have your own marketing business you really know how to sell something so that's effectively where things started and it was all over a dim- that I had with someone that I was working with at the time and uh, she who, who I've co-founded the business with and she said to me do you know what we should make this a success and that's what we've started doing so by uh, chance originally was doing marketing consultancy and now this has gone into a fully fledged business uh, so quite a journey to have gone on over the last few years.
0: Oh, fantastic and so a lot of a lot of knowledge built up over that time. I guess we should really start you know What is digital marketing? What does it encompass?
1: Well, digital marketing could mean so many things uh, for so many different businesses and so many people. So digital marketing is effectively the component that you have that is online. And I know that's, um, uh, that's quite a simple way to, to, to phrase it, but doesn't always mean to say that it's something that you should be jumping on the bandwagon of. So there are a lot of uh, social channels that are available. You've got the likes of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. But actually, for me, digital marketing is only really something that's successful. When you know where your audience live, who your customers are. So if I was a massive engineering business, the last thing I would be thinking of doing is starting a, an Instagram feed of about of, of pictures of um, being able to cut steel or use cogs or whatever it might be. For, for for me it's really important to help and coach and support businesses to understand that their digital marketing channel is only going to help them if they're doing it in the right area so digital marketing is important because it also then helps you get found online so let's take for example a website the more uh, integrated your website is with social media channels so the likes of um uh, sorry social media channels but also search engines so the likes of google and the likes of uh, bing and any other kind of search tools that you might use, you'll find that the propensity for customers to be able to find you and prospects, most importantly, is going to be much, much higher, because they're going to be able to, um, when they search for tools or services that you offer, they're going to have a higher chance of finding you. So actually, digital marketing is really important, but it's important about how you then channel your energy and what area you put your energy into to make digital marketing successful.
0: So on, on that integrating your website into social media, um, is that on a face value? Is that having your Instagram feed on your website, for instance, or a Twitter? Close,
1: feed? kind of. So actually what search engines look for nowadays is trust signals. What are the trust signals that search engines can find online that's going to help them raise you through the ranks to say, actually, this is a legitimate business that's helping... Um, other legitimate businesses or consumers. um, And they've got a large following that shows that. So for example, with your Instagram feed, because you'll be using a set that, let's say that you have an Instagram feed, sorry, for a consumer business, for example. So your feed would be picked up by Google, your Instagram would be indexed by Google. But the fact that you've linked your website from Instagram to your website, you've included that link, Google and other search engines are gonna make that connection between your social channel and your website. And that's gonna give it another additional trust signal that actually this is a business that is established and is legitimate or is, is uh, has just started and is on the journey of growing. And they will see that through an increase of followers and an increase of posting and an increase of engagement on your, on your uh, feed.
0: Okay, and very interesting. I think, obviously, um, if you agree or not, you know, digital marketing would actually start with your your website. It's where people are going to come to your shop window. Um, what are your thoughts? So I can see a lot of people um, who are starting a business and they are perhaps shopping on price as opposed to quality, which perhaps haven't got a huge budget, so it's completely understandable. They are getting, I feel, fooled um, sometimes but yeah we build your website it'd be all seo compliant um geared up and it's going to cost you 500 quid now as we know seo isn't just in the the the, the, the makings of the website it's a continual process of what you're you're doing um what would you say to to those people um to, to encourage them actually you need to spend a little bit more if you want to focus on having a real seo benefit
1: yeah, that's a good question, because there's there's several components to SEO. You've got your initial, how do I set up the framework of SEO on my website? How do I make sure that my website that I'm having built or I'm building myself is going to be read and understood by not only bots, but by humans as well? And that's the touch that people forget so often. It's they hear, OK, Google needs me to have all of my keywords on my homepage, and I'm just going to litter my homepage with the keywords. That's great. Wonderful. Great job but actually as a human, do I want to sit there and read that? No, I don't. That's really not interesting. So this is where Google's algorithms are becoming more and more complex now, where they look at how long people are spending on your site. So what we do, for example, here at KB, is we will spend the time with some individuals and businesses to understand, um, make sorry, to make sure that their website is has the framework in place to be indexed correctly. It's not just a case of having a website launched. You've got so many different components that sit in the back end that we refer to as technical SEO. And these are the bits that aren't normally read by the human eye. Um, So, but this is making sure that the structure is in place. So there's the initial part of let's get your site built, but also get the structure correct. Then you've got your ongoing piece. So how do you develop great content that people are gonna want to read that's gonna help you be found online? So a really great example of this, and this is probably why you see it a lot is blogging. Blogging is so important for websites because you're producing fresh content that's relevant to the industry you're talking about. There's one recycling center that's based uh, near Glastonbury who have done a blog completely unrelated. They don't they don't supply Glastonbury waste disposal, but they've done a blog around how much waste is produced at Glastonbury. But they pick up so much business off this blog. And I know so many businesses and we work with a number of businesses where their blogs their one blog can generate 30,000 hits in a month. The rest of the site doesn't generate that much as direct traffic, but the amount of traffic that goes from that blog two other pages on their site, especially the contact us page, which is so important these days uh, is, is huge. So blogs go much further and content marketing and and SEO goes much, much further than just driving traffic to your site. It's getting individuals to interact and engage. And it comes back to that point. I was just mentioning about earlier with trust signals is a user coming to your site, reading it and going, actually, they have really knowledgeable about the subject that they're talking about. I'm going to speak to them, or they may have the answer to what I'm looking for. It may just be a question, a simple question that's, you know, not something that's going to generate that business revenue, but you're still going to build out and reach out to that uh, business and find the answer that you're looking for.
0: Yeah, very, very, very true. And on on the websites, what are the biggest mistakes you see um, in websites or or website design?
1: That's that's. uh... Oh, I don't know if I can name and shame people like that. i <laughs> yeah, yeah, loads of mistakes. <laughs>
0: in, in, generic, in, in generic terms. Yeah,
1: in, if Bell we games generalize games. it. So I see I see all sorts of mistakes online. Um, but the, the, the thing that we've got to remember here with, with websites that are live and that people are visiting, content is really subjective. What I might like and I might love may not be something that you might like or you might love. So what I would see is something that's wrong wouldn't necessarily be wrong unless it went against what we define as best practice. And best practice for us is what the majority of people would tend to be used to seeing. So for example, websites that you look at on your mobile phone and instead of having what we call hamburger menu which are the three lines when you look from a mobile phone where you click this and then the menu expands so some businesses don't have this and on their website they will just have all of their menus running across the top now this goes against best practice that business owner may prefer it but the majority of online users don't like to see that um so it's it's Coming back to this point of understanding who your visitors are and making sure that your visitors are um, happy and and, uh, enjoying the digital experience that they're having on your website. Um, So what I would see as a bad thing, if it works for your users and your customers are loving it, keep it. But it's making sure that you are listening to what people and your customers and consumers and visitors to your site are saying. Because if it's something that's not working for them, it's likely it's not working for other people as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. So we've got our our website. It looks absolutely lovely. Um, We've set up some social media channels and let's just assume we're not selling off the page. We're using our social media or our digital um, marketing to draw people to our websites. What is the sort of the process of that? Where should we be thinking um, Mm. uh, of doing this? What's the process? I suppose. Defining what platform, which you previously alluded to, is the first stage. Um, once you've got a, a platform that's appropriate to your your business, what do you, is it? Um, Paper click marketing? Um, is it AdWords? Um, is it getting uh, other people to write about you? Well, what do you What do you suggest?
1: Um. When we look at, so you've got loads of opportunities to to pay social media channels. And ultimately, you must remember at the end of the day, this is how they generate their revenue. So when something is a free-to-play platform for the likes of Facebook, the likes of LinkedIn, the people who are on there for free are the commodity. And businesses are wanting to naturally reach those individuals who are using that site for free. And their only way to do that is to charge you in order to access and reach those individuals. If you are lucky enough to generate and build something that is organic and then can have a huge impact on the audience, then you will start to generate and build uh, an audience up without having to pay for it because this is the term that we use, organic. Organic means you've not had to pay for it. This has naturally blossomed and bloomed into a magnet that attracts people that come to your your business and and your social media pages. But in order to do that, from our experience, and here's a bit of a nugget for you, We don't focus on leading with a solution. So, so often people will go on there and go really heavy and hard with the product or service that they sell. No one gives a crap about it at that point. What's important for us here is position the business as a thought leader. And what do we mean by that? Is we mean that the business needs to be seen as someone who is a subject matter expert in what you're talking about, but you're not there to sell a service. And these are the posts that generate the most interest. So to put this as an example, if you are a HR professional, and you're putting a post out there that talks about the most recent furlough schemes or changes that are happening with uh, making tax digital in the accounting um, world and how that may be that you need to take on more people from a recruitment point of view, whatever that might be that you wanna talk about that that gets um, individuals talking, they're not there to say, can you come to our um, agency and we'll talk to you about HR um, issues that you might have. Naturally, what you'll see is that people will share it. that was a good bit of information, or they'll link it to other people that they think may be interested, so they'll at them in the comments, and that's how a post naturally grows organically. You can, if you want to boost those posts and you can put money behind it. But all i my only comment and bit of advice on that is big budgets are normally required to attract a big audience, and it's really important that you do take a stop check and just go actually. The £25 I'm spending a day or even the £25 I'm spending a week, am I getting value for money for that? It's great that I've reached a 1,000 people, but actually how many of those 1,000 people have reached out to me? So it's where is your money best spent and making sure that you understand that you know where um, uh, the organic posting is the best way. But there is a strategy to it. And that's where businesses often fail or individuals as well, if they're promoting themselves often fail because they'll want to talk about what they do rather than what they know about.
0: Absolutely, I think that's so true in, in, in sales generally, actually, as well as um, marketing, you know, it's providing solutions to their, their problem. Um, and all those terms, so, you know, I think most people would be familiar with Facebook um, groups, which is obviously mm-hmm. completely different than your own personal Facebook profile. So, mm-hmm. for instance, I actually have um, just started a Facebook group um, today, funny enough. I had a page. I set up a group today. But I was thinking, you know, how do I actually grow this group? Because I could do it on my own Facebook page, obviously. But, you know, how many of my uh, connections and they're actually running their own business? How many people is it going to be personal to? There'll be a few and it's a start. But how do you really start getting a group going?
1: Um again, I'm going to come back to this, whether you're pitching groups for other businesses or people or people within business or directly to consumers. So if you had a group that was talking um, and I'll go back to to where uh, I'm a subject matter expert in. So let's go back to cosmetics, my first business. So if, you, if you're if you doing offers and promotions and you're promoting something through that group that's going to draw them in, that's going to be a very quick way to build out a group, and especially if you add a level of exclusivity to it. Um, There are a lot of business uh, growth forums, female-led, like female business leader groups as well that are uh, are available. But what you'll see, and this is the difference between advertising to a consumer and advertising to a person within business, is they're closed groups. They're exclusive groups of which you have to be a member to. And giving away all your inside knowledge and all of your uh, Help and support to other individuals in the group is not something that comes for free. And a lot of the time, a lot of business groups have grown because they have an audience within that group who are really committed people. And they are people who are committed to helping one another, not just people who are there to post about something that they've got for sale or something that they just want to shout about or worse. Some, a service that they just want to be pushing, pushing, pushing constantly. Here here I am, I do landscaping. Do you want to get your garden landscape? Push, 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 push. Rather than doing that, they're going, oh, actually, um that's amazing offices that you've just moved into. Have you thought about landscaping? You know, there's there's a link into it. And if you've got a a, a ton of dedicated individuals who are going to be coming together, it makes the Um, appeal to join that group far richer. However, if you're starting from scratch, don't lock it down too soon. Because if you do lock down a Facebook group too soon, you're going to struggle to attract the audience. So I think initially, it's working with your existing network, making those requests for people to join. But then how do you come about and, and working on a strategy of how do you come about those stimulating discussions? What are those discussions going to be that's going to stimulate the conversation to make the group grow slightly before you then make it an exclusive group and apply that exclusivity level and then you can grow the group organically from there if that was an approach you wanted to take if you wanted everything to be freemium keep it unlocked but look at still initially what are those core conversation pieces that's going to stimulate conversation and then help you grow organically
0: and there's so many different social platforms with facebook um obviously instagram linkedin um uh well, the, the new one that's um the, the range of the moment what's it?
1: clubhouse
0: clubhouse yeah yeah which i'm on yeah i can't remember its name it's yeah. not quite um ingrained in my memory yet you know you're running your business as well should the business owners actually be spending uh, allocating half an hour an hour each day to these social platforms to build their communities what, what sort of how much work's actually needed in them
1: yeah and that's I think there is, there is a time commitment you need to make and if you're going to do it, you need to be committed. However, I am going to pull my hands up here and I'm being really hypocritical because our social channels for KB are abysmal, right? And why are they abysmal? Purely because we've been so swamped. We've not had the time to keep up with them. Um, And we've just been, our network is so strong. And we're in a really fortunate and blessed position that our network is so strong that actually we've not had the time that we tried to commit at the beginning in making our social channels work. We sell social media management and we do a great job at managing other people's channels. We're just not very good at managing our own. So I'm not gonna sit here and say, you have to do this because if you've got a strong business and you've got a strong network, it may not be something that's right for you. But typically we would say, if you dedicate between 30 minutes, 45 minutes per month on your social media, thinking what, that sorry, per month, per day initially to start with, thinking what those conversations are, but don't be afraid as well to join other people's conversations as that business. So if, for example, I have the KB business page, there's nothing that's stopping me from joining other people's conversations as that business. And again, comes back to that piece around positioning yourself as a thought leader Don't go in there with a hard sell talking about marketing and marketing agency and how I can help you. Let's talk about, oh, I heard you've got a problem with this in WordPress. Did you know that if you did this, this and this, you can bypass the problem? Then you're, oh, okay, thanks very much for that. You've built a connection. That person's going to remember you when they've next got an issue, but the issue may be bigger next time and be more complex and require some work. So... um, For me, if you've got that allotted time, my advice would be, if you've got that allotted time at the beginning, 30 to 45 minutes every single day, um, and you're thinking of posts that are genuinely of interest to your audience, then that is the most important starting point. Um, But it does take commitment, and I do want to stress that. It's like that commitment of that New Year's resolution that you make in January. I'm going to run every day, five days a week, and I'm going to have two rest days every week. Are you really going to do it by the end of January? Are you still running those five days a week? That's the question you need to be asking yourself. Can you keep up with that commitment that you're going to make Monday to Friday, 30 to 45 minutes? Do it at the beginning of the day. Get it done and out of the way. It's not something that everyone enjoys. Some people love it. But if you don't enjoy it, get it done and out of the way. You've got the rest of the day to yourself. And then you can hopefully start to reap the rewards that come in off the back of it.
0: Yeah, um, a couple of things. I, I, I um, r- I race triathlon when they're going on, so I actually do keep my um running or, or cycling um <laughs> <it's the> five, <laughs> five. At least
1: that years. makes one of us. Uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> I, think, I, I, I think I've cycled about three hundred miles this month so far. Wow, like, well done. 30 that's 30 that's 30. impressive. That's so that's a, that's a ride. But on the um the, the forty five minutes a day, is that per platform or per total?
1: Um. So that's that's another good point there, because it's quite often people try and come up with completely different messages for every platform. What we are finding that works best is once you've latched on to what that subject is um, and what people are really, really interested in talking about. So, for example, the common theme at the moment could be Brexit and you might want to be talking about what it means to do trade with the other European countries if that was the one of the the points that you wanted to talk about, there's no reason you can't tailor the message for each platform. So if, for example, you were talking um, on LinkedIn, you can still have the same subject matter, but you can just tailor how you're positioning it, it might be more formal. Whereas if you were positioning that to a Facebook group, it would be more chatty and more inviting, for example. So making sure that you've got the right tone of voice, but my advice would be, stick with that content piece that you've, chosen for that day or that week that you want to focus on and whatever that recurring theme is but use it as a recurring theme across all your platforms that you are visible on
0: it's really interesting actually so you've created a piece of content which may be 500 words um, something that i'm very much guilty of that then sits there languishing um, on my blog but i i i feel that what i there's a lot of information in there which i can then repurpose and repost Is that beneficial or was it just a time-saving mechanism?
1: Um, I think, no, I think that would be good to be reposting it, especially if you can link back to blogs that you've written, articles that you've written. Um, We quite often will link back to a blog that we've published and we do get the interactions coming through. We can see that on the blogs by the source of the traffic, where they're coming from, that they're coming from Facebook, they're coming from LinkedIn or wherever the the origin is. So making sure that you are... um, sharing that content. But the key here, I would say is not to just duplicate that content. Duplicate content is a big no no for um, search engines for the internet as a whole. No one wants to be reading duplicate content. But if you were um, advertising something, so for example, a giveaway or a promotion that was happening over a sustained period of time or an event or something along these lines, then there's nothing wrong with um, changing that and putting out a different post or different wording, still promoting the same thing. So duplicate content shouldn't be mistaken for, I can't just have the same thing posted over and over again. That's what we're referring to here. Duplicate content, you can still have the same theme as a, or a discussion point or whatever it might be, but making those adaptations and I think having a blog is a great thing to link back to, especially if you are promoting a party, you can talk about what it's going to look like in that blog and it gives you another thing to talk about online, another point of interaction Um, And also just as a side note, make sure you're using those hashtags, but be clever on how you use them. So many people will jump on putting their own brand first on a hashtag, hashtag KB. No one's gonna be searching hashtag KB, which is why we don't put it in our posts. So you wanna be doing something, the whole point of a hashtag is to build um, a community of people who are using that term. So I follow the hashtag, for example, marketing or digital marketing or entrepreneurship. But if you're using those hashtags, I'm gonna stumble across your content. And that's the whole way that we're gonna build out organic content here um, and not have to rely on that um, adding additional budget to boost posts. So it's it's very well that you wanna do hashtag your business name. That's cool, but you're not gonna generate anything from it. So making sure your content can be found um, it's really important, and coming back to your point of yeah, take snippets from those blogs, but make sure you're hashtagging it when you put it back, and then you'll find that people will be stumbling across your content as long as it's uh, of interest to them, of, of course.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's a, it's a different conversation, a different um, a different chat. If you are doing that duplicate compli- uh, duplicate um, content, then having the the canonical um, tags in there. Would yes. Be, be... yeah Important. Um, yeah. uh, we'll we talk about that, people, on another occasion because it's going into sort of technical SEO aspects, which you, you mentioned earlier on. But it's something that I've certainly learned um, setting up business questions in what I've learned about SEO. But it, it's a whole fascinating subject, we and we're going to have many conversations uh, about SEO.
1: Um, And that's what's so interesting canonical tagging is just a small piece of this massive pie. So actually, yeah, when you start to put the small pieces in place, you can start to build up a bigger pie. But as you say, come back to that on a future conversation, because that's where technical can can blow people's minds.
0: Now you get to PPC, is that something people should actually engage in initially because uh, unless you're perhaps doing some detailed keyword research and analysis surely you can be throwing money away because you know you don't know that the term um i don't know uh black dress for instance you know it may cost you 24 pounds a click and you're bidding two pounds google might yet yeah, say you're gonna get you know very very low down um but people are oh, it's only two quid Are you know throw it at it per click how would you what's your recommendation for pay-per-click
1: uh pay-per-click is a very easy way to burn money if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, Google have recently brought out a smart bid management uh, tool. So if you're not a PPC pro and you don't know your way around uh, Google ad management and you, you, you this is not something that you're a fae with, what you can do is you can use Google's smart planner and smart tracking. We heard this come out. I uh, heard about this when it launched and we thought, let's see how good this is so we put some money behind it oh my god cannot believe how much money it wasted (laughs) (laughs) we wasted 75 pounds on a few clicks because the algorithm couldn't understand what the best way was to place those ads. We probably had, I say a few clicks, that was a bit harsh, but we had about 20 clicks. There's a blog over on KB to go and, uh, if you want to read up more about it and about PPC and and, and what the actual results of that um, uh, campaign were. But to put it lightly, it was really, really poor. We found out that we were actually spending more than what we put as a maximum bid click. But when you read the terms and conditions, so we rang Google to complain about this because we thought, It's a new tool, there's a bug in it. We're gonna let them know. Actually, when we spoke to the account manager at Google, if you read the small print, they're actually allowed to spend four times what you put down as a maximum bid click, but they're not allowed to spend more than what you put as a complete budget. So actually, they're not helping or we found definitely that the tool is not helping you spend your budget wisely. And they're looking at that and going, oh, I've got 75 pounds to spend. Don't care how I'm gonna spend it, but we're gonna spend it. Whereas when you've got an agency, yeah, okay, fine. You've got the management fees, but you've also got an expert who's staring at a screen and gonna be managing those clicks in the best possible way. There's been some great examples we've had in the past uh, where we've helped individuals by um, uh, targeting their competitors. Um, So anyone who's visited their competitor sites we can then show ads to those individuals of their business. So um, there's all sorts of tips tips and tricks that you can implement, but you need to know how to go about doing it. And having that expertise, it's not something that's easy to uh, necessarily learn overnight. And some of our uh, team that we've got in-house working on PPC and SEO, is a, it, it's an, uh, something that they have to stay on top of. They take a lot of time to learn it and it's something that they've learned over the years and it evolves all the time. So what you know now is going to be outdated in a few months time and it's continually evolving. So PPC is great coming back to that point, but um, it, you can quite easily and quickly burn money if you're not 100% sure what you're doing.
0: I think this comes down you know, to the whole thing that, as a, a small business owner, and we perhaps haven't got um, dedicated staff, I think a lot of people will hire someone who's inexpensive and they've got a basic proficiency, but no in-depth in depth proficiency, which is a, is a waste of money. I think sometimes you actually take, take the bullet by the, the, the horn here and actually say, do you know what, I need to go to a professional agency and spend proper money and don't be scared because we've all read about all the business books you know you need to hire people that are more knowledgeable than you that are better than you because that's the whole point of hiring them you know right to to do this and to learn pay-per-click to learn seo that's a huge undertaking you can't continually keep yourself abreast of of current developments in trends because you need a life as well Um, as your business and one of the things I want to communicate to to this community and to myself is to hire the right people for the right job and we can do it on a freelance basis you haven't got to have someone internally doing it all and it should Absolutely. just open our minds up to the possibilities and how quickly we can accelerate our our, our growth um
1: and I think that's a key point there that you make because you started a business to build a business you didn't start a business just to make yourself a job of everything you want to build a business out and you want to build uh, your skills out naturally uh, when you grow your business but there's no reason that you should have to become a master of everything just because that's the cheapest way to do it quite often it turns out a more expensive way of doing it so be an amazing accountant be an amazing hr professional run the best charity out there for dogs and cats or whatever it might be but actually come to um people who are really really well versed on what it is you're looking to achieve
0: yeah and and when you've scaled your business a little bit you've got some money in there and i think it's a quite an important point that we can make a little bit of money and it's very easy to go out and buy the latest um you know whatever your thing is your latest car whatever to congratulate yourself which is fantastic but i think it comes on to the point we don't know what we don't know and if we had you know 25 30000 pounds in the business account yeah we can go and spend ourselves and treat it or actually there's another level of things which we can we can do and it's something that's new to me that i've learned um from your your site chris which is, I'm just gonna look at this, account-based marketing, account-based marketing. So what is account-based marketing?
1: Absolutely, David. So uh, this is for me, such an exciting component of marketing. And it's basically an aggregation of so many different types of marketing all compressed into one campaign. Now I'm gonna put a disclaimer here and I know a lot of the audience who are gonna be reading this and and, uh, sorry, listening to this and watching this, are not necessarily um, an audience who would be looking to spend this type of money on a campaign. It's not a cheap thing to do, but this comes back to your point of where do you want to invest your money? So account-based marketing is Uh, typically taking a campaign and targeting businesses and individuals within businesses who you specifically are looking to bring on board as a customer or a client. So we're looking at who are your prospects, but how can we go about making sure that we are having your business found in the areas that they hang out are they hanging out on certain publications are they reading certain publications are they uh hanging out in the center of london on the underground therefore we need to be doing underground out-of-home advertising but every single account-based marketing campaign is completely bespoke completely bespoke so there should be no lift and shift of this model will work for this business and this business and this business because who you would look to attract to your business would be different to who I would look to attract to my business. And equally, another agency doing exactly the same thing would probably have a different target audience, a different persona that they would be looking to bring on as customers than I would have as looking to bring on as customers as part of KB. So um, an account-based marketing platform um, basically allows you to accelerate your business growth but it is a significant investment because you're going to be bringing on your ideal customers, the people who are going to be spending the most, you're going to be get the biggest return on investment on it. But there is a significant upfront cost to that type of marketing, um, because there are so many hours that are put into making that successful and making it work. And again, so many spinning plates and so many different facets that are, that are making it happen.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And I look forward to being in a position where I can actually um, do that um, myself. Um, one of the things I really want to chat about with you, because um, I loved your website, there's so many features on it. I thought haven't seen that before. That looks really, really good. For those who want to remind it, it's K-B, K-A-Y-B-E.co.uk, which is That's actually um, Chris's initials. And I asked Chris just to have a little brief look at, at the business questions website, and really to pick out anything where he thought I could make immediate improvements on. Um, Chris, what did you what did you see? What could we improve?
1: there's a, there's a lot going on on the site i mean there's a lot of useful content um but actually one of the things that i thought really stood out to me is is actually the logo um the logo is a great logo um and i think it's it's uh it really clearly tells me what i'm coming here for i know exactly what i'm here for you've encompassed the business name within the logo but it doesn't necessarily scale as well as it could do and quite often what we what we use is um with logos is something called a glyph um so this is an adaptation of your logo which can be used at any size and scaled at any size and it doesn't matter so it could be teeny teeny tiny or it could be whopping on the side of a boeing jet and the best example of a glyph has got to be the virgin v from virgin media virgin uh, airways virgin atlantic Any of those um, uh, brands, you see the V, you know exactly what it is, and you don't need the rest of the business brand to go alongside it. So again, for for business questions, it's a very simple uh, change and very small change to what's the glyph? Have a big logo when you first join the website, your head is quite big, but as soon as that user starts scrolling, let's reduce that header down and make the logo just a bit smaller, but actually you still then get a lot of space on the screen. And through doing that, the user's still going to be able to know exactly where they are. You're keeping your brand present. It's fresh. It's at the front of their mind. Um, But but you're um, uh, you're not losing any of the detail that you've got in the logo, especially some of the text that's in red below. You're not losing that detail on the initial first visit because they can see that in full when they scroll to the top of the page.
0: Okay, well, I think what I'm doing, I'm going to screenshot that in a minute and that into the video, because obviously that's something no. I will actually change and people can look at the, the current version and just sure. see that um, um, being being implemented. Um, the other sure. thing you actually said, which is not obviously applicable to all businesses or all websites, but to my business where I'm providing advice, you um, mentioned I'm actually not having, I haven't got any, uh, any adverts on there. Yeah. Uh, from Google, which I was conflicted about because I wasn't sure if it made the page look messy. Um, And, but you think it absolutely, for my business anyway, for this type of site, then it, it, it works well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you've got a site where you're producing something that's free or you've got a section on your site, so it's what we would class as freemium content, It's premium content, but it's free to the market at this point in time. So it's great. What we mean by premium is it's great quality content. You're not just chucking a video out there that's been mashed up from loads of other videos. This is fresh content. These are fresh discussions. These are fresh um, ideas that you're sharing with other people. But in order to make premium content viable, you obviously need to generate that revenue. And the best way to generate a revenue on a free-to-play website or free-to-air website is by adding those adverts. And you can get different models where you're paid by impression, We're paid by clicks. There's so many different um, ways that you can can manipulate them. You can even use um, the tool and technology that we use to implement these. It's called Google Display Network or GDN for short. You can even have customers who uh, you want to do a takeover. For example, you talked earlier about having sponsorship packages. People can sponsor them, sponsor um, business questions. Um, So if you wanted to do that, you could then remove other people's ads and just replace them in with that that sponsor's um, logos and sponsor's ads that are running on the site. So you've got that opportunity to have real control over what's displayed. And also, you can make sure that you're removing competitors in there as well. So when you have ads on the site, you can specifically say certain types of businesses or certain URLs that you do not want advertised on your site for obvious reasons. They're your competitors. You want to keep your audience on your page. Um, and while it might generate you a click, is it a click you really want? Probably not. So um, you, can, you can have complete control over the ads that are on the site. It's not a free for all. So it's actually quite a controlled um, piece to integrate onto, onto business questions.
0: Well, there any other aspects of uh, the, the site, which were glaringly, I know it's, it's got to have design work done to it. And as we get some money coming in, then we will be coming in. And I've actually done it myself, um, but you know, when I've got some money coming in, I, I, I'm gonna have a chat with you and um get the site looking a little bit better which i know that takes time and that takes money um but uh, initially i've only have a small little change which i can make or is it okay
1: Yeah, I think, I think it was really good. Um, And I think that you've, it's great to see another person has adopted WordPress. Um, WordPress is a great platform for businesses to start building their websites on. Um, If you're new to a digital um, uh, uh, world and you're wanting to develop your website and you're, you've, you've got a new business, or you want to look at moving away from your existing provider, WordPress is great. And it's great that you've chosen that there, David. So it's, it's highly adaptable. You can be very, very flexible. And some of world's biggest sites um, are built on WordPress. For example, Marks & Spencer's, uh, they've got a component of their site that's built on there. Uh, you've got Disney that's built on, on there. And even BBC America is built on WordPress. So it's a really robust and flexible um, uh, platform to be building sites on. Um, but actually, for as you can see, with, with limited um, resources, you can build a really comprehensive, really great site that is, as we've spoke about pre-recording, so we were talking about this at the very beginning, it's what we call MVP. This is your minimum viable product. Or in other terms, you could say MMP, which is your minimum marketable product. This is the minimum that you need to get up and out the door to get yourself up and and up and running. Um, And I think that's really important for many businesses to remember, yourself included, is you don't want to lose sight and just put everything on your site and do this whole go big or go home attitude because that's not what's gonna get you working. If you focus on what is the minimum I need to do and we can build from there, then that's that's the best place to start a business. Facebook didn't launch as they are now, back in the years that they launched. And the same for Google. Um, you know, it's and and even now for people who use Google G Suite um or what Google Workspaces, it's now been rebranded. Um, and any of those Google tools, they get developed over the years. Same for Microsoft Word, Microsoft PowerPoint. They don't develop a a perfect product straight away and it's all part of how do we iterate and improve on that product so actually really great website i think it's been really well put together um and it's a really great starting point to to help uh, catapult this this venture um and and get the word out there
0: yeah thank you and i look forward to you know seeing it um seeing it grow um on the marketing um or digital marketing were there any other points which we really should um cover very quickly or, or have we covered- yeah This is my golden bit that
1: I've saved. Yeah, I've saved this bit for 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 your premium premium, uh, subscribers. So actually, the most important part when you come to any marketing campaign, really just take a step back and look at first what you are trying to achieve. And this is missed so often. Everyone just goes with the hat on. I just want to get more customers in through the door. Do you really want to get more customers in through the door? There's three things. So I say Establish what your gap is. What is your business gap? And the gap stands for grow, attract, and protect. Are you looking to grow your business out by expanding what your capabilities are and expanding your product set? Are you looking to attract new customers into your business? The point that I mentioned just now that most businesses are wanting to do. Or are you wanting to protect your existing customers from leaving you or reducing that churn? This is a really common one with accountants. How do I spend, I've spent all this time building up my portfolio. I've got 150, 200 practice uh, businesses that I work with in my accounting practice, for example. How do I stop them from leaving? What can I do to reduce the churn of those individuals and those businesses? So before you start any marketing campaign, make sure you reassess What is your business objective? And come back to that business plan. What are you trying to do? If you go straight out gung-ho, bringing in new customers, but your churn rate is huge and you've got customers leaving you left, right and center because you haven't got capacity, you're going to be throwing good money after bad. So make sure, come back to those points again, establish what your gap is, grow, attract, protect. Are you looking to grow your business out, attract new customers or clients or however you want to, to name them? Or are you looking to protect existing ones from leaving? From there, you can build the most awesome marketing campaign that are going to do exactly what you want them to do
0: oh, that's absolutely fantastic i get you can get so sort of niched down using the americanism on, on that particular area you're, you're focusing on as well and really really find that focused group that you want to uh, uh, attract
1: yes absolutely
0: yeah Oh, John, you know, that's absolutely fantastic, Chris. And another little thing, it's ridiculous that um, I'm, I'm in my sort of day job, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker, and when I film my own to camera pieces, I'm using my, my proper camera, et cetera. But with these Zoom interviews, I've been using my laptop. And when we are emailing, um, you know, yesterday, and I said, oh, I'll try and be in some nice lighting. He goes, yep, yeah, I've got that, and I've got a microphone, and I've got an HD cam. I thought, I've got an HD cam. I'm using my Apple Mac. <laughs> What's the camera like in that? But damn, I can't get one. You know, for tomorrow, Chris is going to think, "What the hell?" Um, <laughs> so a little bit of research, and uh, hopefully, it makes a, a difference. we C. see. But I actually, yeah. found out I've got an app on my iPhone and also on the the the, the MacBook Pro, um, which allows my camera to be uh, yeah, my phone to be my camera. Um, oh, fantastic it's fantastic and i've just started recording 1080 hd i think i paid okay. like four or five quid a month subscription to take the logo um yeah so a little I, I learned stuff from you before we even started this interview fantastic. which is going to make my product um uh, a better thing so you know chris i really can't thank you enough for your time we're going to put chris's mm-hmm. details below and i'm sure we'll chat again with chris um and here being the developments as well, because I definitely will go to Chris um, to have my my, my website um, looked at and designed um, going forward. So it'll be really interesting to see what changes they implement, um, hopefully later on this year. But uh, Chris, thank you very much indeed for your time today.
1: Thank you. And thank you very much for yours. I appreciate it.